It's time to go from surviving to thriving. This is the podcast where we give you the encouragement to change your life. Welcome to Vulnerable Moments with Jovan J. Palmer. No longer will you feel ashamed, unseen, and unheard. Get vulnerable, become courageous, and be free. And now your host, Jovan J. Palmer. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Vulnerable Moments, the podcast. My name is Jovan. I am your host. And as always, we have people on the podcast sharing their most vulnerable moments of life. You are the first Vulnerable Moments guest. Woo woo. The first and the best. <laughs> I had to be vulnerable. We're not going to do that was vulnerable <laughs> or was that you being an ass my bad go it's ahead oh uh, so introduce yourself tell the people about yourself where you're from and whatever you feel comfortable sharing yeah sure um my name is nella um and i hail from the city of brotherly love philly um and i i grew i came from the gutter i came from the gutter and i have gone through everything up in life from. City of brotherly love. Brotherly love. Brotherly love. And sisterly affection. Sisterly affection. What does that mean? In Philly, that ain't there, but it, look. Really? Mm-hmm. I've been to Philly once last summer. Mm-hmm. I, had a, I had a ball. When when did you go? Like, was it for like? There wasn't no festivals going on. I was about to say, was it a made in America? Oh, no. <laughs> I heard that's like the worst time to go. It is. Um, my homeboy. He lives there now. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Don. Catch his episode. <laughs> uh, dang, I don't know, but he just, I don't know. But mm-hmm. I, one thing I did like is that you can bring your own, like, champagne into the restaurants. What restaurant was it? It's probably because of COVID. Because that ain't, that ain't typical. They gave us orange juice. He brought us a glass, a bottle of champagne, mm-hmm. and we had brunch together. Mm. And I was like, this is dope. Well, I need that restaurant. I'll let you know. Okay. I don't remember, but I'll ask him if he remembers. <laughs> it was like downtown somewhere on this little street. I know. That was so descriptive. I know. That, des- <laughs> that describes like every street in downtown Philly. Anywho, I, I enjoyed it. But you said you're from the gutter. Mm-hmm. You said there's no sisterly love there. Mm-hmm. Tell me, like, give me your upbringing from your perspective of Philly. Okay. So I'm originally from West Philadelphia. Born and raised. <laughs> 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 I'm originally from West Philly, and um, most people, when they they like, you know, you got North Philly, West Philly, South Philly. Mm-hmm. There's no real such thing as East Philly. That's like, yeah, we don't talk about that. Okay. Um, but I've I've gone through the whole being scared to walk down the street because I might get jumped. I've gone through like living with my grandmom up the street, probably about a block and a half up the street is a crack house. And it's known for addicts and everything, people being on morphine, all that kind of stuff. And just in and out. So when you walk up the street, make sure you're on the other side of the street. So like, if this is a street, this couch we're sitting on, and mm-hmm. then this black stage part is another side. I'm walking on that side. 
This is the side. Because line. the house is over here or just this side of the street? The house is the house is on this side. Okay. Mm-hmm. Continue. Yeah. So the house is on the same exact side as my grandma's house. And the supermarket is one block up from that house. So you have to inevitably go that way. Um, so I'm used to seeing like, you know, the needles on the ground and all that kind of stuff. Um, I grew up around a whole bunch of gangbangers, all that kind of stuff. I've, I've been around gunfights and shootouts. Yeah. At what age are you experiencing all of this? Ooh, what age did it stop is really the question. Um, I probably, my first, the first experience I have ever had being around a shootout was, I think I was about six or seven years old. Mm -hmm. And I had a family member that was involved. Um, and it was just over money. Just people shooting and killing over money. Mm Mm-hmm. Like people think I, I play when I say like I come where I come from, you get shot over stuff like not paying or stuff like, yo, I think you owe me. No, it's real. People, people, I have seen people die over $5. Yes. Five whole dollars that mm-hmm. don't mean nothing no more. Nope. So since you've seen people die, you've, so you've seen dead bodies. Mm-hmm. Have you ever just like been walking down the street? You know, how you, on the movies. Mm-hmm. I want you to see if you can help bring a movie to a real life. I forgot the name of the movie off the top of my head, but it was they were oh Boys in the Hood. Mm-hmm. I and have a hoodie. Like, huh? I have a hoodie. A Boys in the Hood hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, yo, do you want to see a dead body? Mm-hmm. Have y'all ever just walked in and stumbled across a dead body? Um, I've never stumbled across a dead body. I've watched dead bodies happen in real time, but never, never been like, you know, on the way to school and, mm-hmm. oh, there's a body sitting right there or something like, you know, how you, um, what's that, what's that TV show? Not Cold Case. First 48? Not First 48. Uh, it's something, it's like one of those shows yeah, where yeah. like they do the, the, the pre, the intro and the kid mm-hmm. is playing basketball and the ball rolls away. Like I've never had one of those experiences. But I've I've seen I've probably witnessed about six deaths in real time. How has that shaped you as an individual? Um, I'm very it, I have become very cautious. At first, I was very paranoid. I've had PTSD. I've gone through that, um, and. At first, I always, I was one of those people, no guns. Like I was entirely against guns, period. I don't care what the argument was of, whoa, it's, it's the person that pulls the trigger, not the gun that kills the person, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Um, but over time, living in different neighborhoods and things of that nature, I realized it was important for me to have some type of protection. Mm-hmm. So I had to get over my own fear, especially the times that we're starting to go through where black people, we getting killed for left and right. I was like, I can't not have protection. Um, my ex-husband, he was military and he was adamant when he left that I needed to go get my gun license 
because the neighborhood that we lived in was not a nice neighborhood and he wanted to make sure that I had protection. So I had to go through my own phase of therapy and everything and get to the root as to why I was afraid. And it's, it was solely because I've witnessed murders. I've witnessed these things happen. And as a child, it's very easy for you to lock it out your mind because you don't want to think about it. And then as you get older, you don't realize the things that we've locked out now starts to spill into every aspect of our lives. And I had to deal with it. So dealing with that at what age? Um, I was, when I started going to therapy for all the stuff I've been through, I was 20, 20 21. Was that your first time going to therapy? Mm-mm. What no. was your first time going to therapy? 16, after my my firstborn passed away. Mm, sorry to hear that. Hey. So dealing with the passing of your firstborn, mm-hmm. um, how has that affected you? Um, so my daughter now, Anaya, mm-hmm. she's two, and she is at the age, and we're coming up on the month that my firstborn passed away. And my firstborn was two when she passed away. So even now it still affects me because now I'm like kind of like on the fence of yeah this two is still here. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm like I just want to get to three. Yeah, like yeah. let's just hurry up get to three. Um, when I'm in the car with her, she because that's she passed away. My first one she passed away due to a drunk driver mm. running a red light, and um, she was in the car with my older brother, and the drunk driver hit her side of the car, and she passed on impact. So when I have Anaya in the car now, I'm very like, I'm very on high alert. I, some people say it's road rage, but there's a reason why I get so upset when somebody does something dumb on the road or something because I've experienced death because of a car. So I know it's something I have to deal with. I'm in therapy now because of it, because of the things. There's things that I haven't dealt with that I never wanted to deal with. I never realized it was actually affecting me until it really started affecting my relationships and the way that I was living out my life. So So when did you discover the way things were affecting you from Mm -hmm. like your childhood and your past? Um, In my relationships, Um, relationship with friends, feeling abandoned. Um, feeling like if you don't, like I got to a point, especially during my divorce, I got to a point where if certain people, certain specific people weren't answering the phone or something like that, then instantly I start feeling abandoned. I start feeling like, like why are they not responding to me or whatever and not thinking, yo, they got other things going on in their life too and stuff like that. Um, I've, I started to realize in my current relationship, like I was holding and bringing things on and holding the things that I've been through against him. Mm. And so if something, like we call them red flags, but if something happens or he does something that triggers me, but he doesn't know that it's a trigger and I never communicated it, it's a problem, right? So, he ends up doing something that triggers me. I start 
getting upset or whatever. I shut down whatever my response might be to whatever that trigger is. And he's sitting here like, where did this come from? So when that started happening consistently, I was like, all right, I got some things I got to. I got to handle, I got to work on me. Mm -hmm. Cause this relationship one is not going to last. It's not going to move forward. It's not going to get to where we both want it to be. If I don't handle things that I have going on inside of me. So, so therapy can bring out, (laughs) it can bring out so much stuff that you didn't know was there. Yes. And it can also be re-traumatizing mm-hmm. if you know, if you aren't self-aware, or even if you are self-aware, it still can be re-traumatizing. I just discovered how therapy can be re-traumatizing. Mm-hmm. So what were some things that as you're going through therapy and you say, oh, okay, I want to deal with this piece of it because in therapy, our job as clinicians is to just focus on whatever you come to us. Right. And then, but also we would notice some things. What are some things that your condition that you don't mind talking about mm-hmm. notice, or maybe you may have noticed, start coming out that you was like, damn, I didn't realize I was dealing with that too, or I was mm-hmm. still dealing with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually those, that re-trauma, mm. that re-trauma actually happened when I first wrote my book. You wrote a book? Mm-hmm. When? Um, this is before I knew you. Um, so it's called Crooked Sticks Draw Straight Lines. Um, and was that me? That was me. Okay. <laughs> um, it's called Crooked Sticks Draw Straight Lines. Look at me. Okay. Um, and it talks about the different traumas that I've been through in my life from rape and molestation and being beaten within an inch of my life. All those different things. Um, it talks about the abandonments that I experienced. And in writing that, I had to force myself to re relive those experiences because I can't if I'm not if I'm writing this book I have to be real I have to be raw I have to be transparent and so that was the first time that I really had to re-experience everything that I went through Mm -hmm. and I think the hardest part of that book was writing about my issues with my father because I wasn't ready to deal with them Tell me about it. I wasn't ready to deal with them. And that was the hardest chapter to write. And I was like, I would start writing and tears would just start coming out. I'd be like, yeah, I'll get back to you. Come back. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to come back to this chapter real quick. Um, And then once I finished the book, I thought that I had healed. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people, a lot of authors say like that was, that was my therapy. That healed me in that. I was able to, and I was like, okay, I'm good. Mm -hmm. And then it started to resurface again, especially when I moved back with my parents. Mm. And so issues like my dad and I would start butting heads. And the moment we start butting heads, I'd be like, well, you weren't there for me when I needed it. And I would just go off on the handle. And I'd be like, okay, I still gotta deal with this. I'm still holding on to a lot of issues. Um, and so now it's funny you say, cause I actually just had a therapy session a few days ago and for most of the time we were dealing with stuff that was in my relationship that was affecting my relationship. And I told her, I sent her a text before session. I was like, I need to learn 
what makes me happy and what makes me feel loved again because mm. I don't know it. And she was like, I am so happy because I'm sick and tired of talking about your relationship. <laughs> <laughs> that Jeez. is deep. Like, I don't think people realize how deep that is to want to learn what makes you happy, mm -hmm. what makes you want to love yourself deeper. Yeah. Like, people don't realize how serious that is. Mm -hmm. What made you come to that self-realization? One, well, because I was like, I can't teach somebody else how to love me if I don't know how to love me. Mm. Period. Like, I can tell you all day, I like flowers, I like this, I like that. But then when you actually get the flowers and you still feel that, that sense of emptiness, okay, that doesn't really make me feel loved. So what is it? What is it that really, truly makes me feel whole? And so I've gone through, you know, a lot of people, they say, oh, I'm going through my, my selfish time phase like I really have to be and it's not even about being selfish yeah it's about okay I need to learn so that I can teach other people how to treat me whether it's in a relationship whether it's with your partner whether it's with friends um, I had a mentor that used to tell tell me all the time teach people how to treat you and if I don't know how to treat myself I can't teach you so that's one of my things like now like i used to do i like my therapist the first thing she said to me was um when there's never been a time in your life that you've been happy and truly felt like at peace and i was like yeah when i was i had my own place i was doing great with my career and i was able to list all these things and she said okay well during that time what were the things that you were doing and I was like, well, I would take myself out on dates on weekly. Every single Sunday, I would go to brunch. The bartender knew exactly what to order. As soon as I walked in the door, she knew exactly what I wanted. And she would have my drink on the thing and my cappuccino, my, my caramel macchiato and everything. I would go get my nails done. And I was like, those things feel like chores now. Mm. It doesn't feel like I'm treating myself. Like I feel like it's a chore. And she said, you know, one of the signs of depression is when you lose interest in the things that you used to love. Wow. And I was like, am I going through depression again? Because I've been through it. I've yeah. been through, I was, de I was depressed when I was pregnant. I went through postpartum depression. And then I went through post-postpartum, like. Is that many posts? I, I added it. Oh, but <laughs> I was about to say. I wouldn't be surprised, but that I went through a lot of depression during the whole pregnancy and everything else. I went through resenting my daughter and things. I went through all those, all of that. I went through depression after my divorce. I went through depression because I dropped out, I got kicked out of college and I felt like I was a failure to my parents. What was the reason for the divorce? Um, he had an affair, oh. affairs, Oh, yeah. Um, and so he, he went away, he got stationed somewhere else and I was living where I was living. Mm -hmm. Um, and I went to go pay a phone bill and it's always the phone, it's always the phone that gets you caught up. <laughs> That's why I don't cheat. <laughs> See, just, it just makes everything <laughs> easy. <that> good. <laughs> I went to go pay the phone bill and something told me to check the call history on his phone, on his line. So I did. And there was this one number that kept showing up 
and showing up and showing up. And I'm like, that's not my cell phone number. Who, whose number is this? This ain't your mom's. And I know you and your mom is close. So who is this number? That's I'm, We getting off the phone at 1 o'clock in the morning and you calling this number at 102. It's a problem. So I went, took the number, and I researched it on Facebook. And instantly a picture popped up and I recognized the person immediately. As soon as I saw her picture, um, I was like, this is the female he is always with. If I FaceTime him, she's always right there. If I call, I always hear her voice in the background. This is a female. And literally, after I found out who this girl was on the Facebook, I'm getting flowers sent to my door. Like literally, literally like a few minutes later, I got a knock on the door and it was a flower delivery from him. And I threw those flowers right into the fire. I lit, I lit the fireplace and I threw the flowers, the flowers right in there. Cause I was so mad. I called them and I said, what's your relationship with? I don't even remember her name. He told me, he was like, we're just friends. I was like, I'm gonna give you one more time to tell me the truth. What's your relationship with her? He was like, I told you we're just friends. And I was like, oh, you're just friends? I flipped the camera, showed him, my, showed him the call history. I was like, do you wanna tell me the truth now? And that's when he told me he wanted a divorce. And we had only been married for a year and some change at that time. Told me he wanted a divorce and I lost my shit. Instantly, I lost it. I was, I went off, I called her, and cause she knows who I am. She and I have had conversation. So at this point, now I have a right to have an issue with you. I'm losing my mind at her. She's like, if anything, I'm doing you a favor and did it. Okay, so for Thanksgiving, I booked a one-way flight down to where he was at. I didn't come back home for probably about a month and a half. And then he got stationed somewhere else. And I said, I don't trust you not to, to live by yourself. Because we were, we had two separate households. And he kept having affairs. He was still in contact with her. He had an affair with one of my, my best friend at the time. He, yeah. And then um, when, and then he went back to his ex-girlfriend. And when I came home from work one day, I found him on the phone with her. I think it was like 12 o'clock in the morning, something like that. And I took the phone and he choked me up. Choked me up, put me into a little lock. And when that happened, I called my friend who lived five minutes away, packed up what I could and never went back. You can tell me this is gonna be this heavy. <laughs> this is going to be this heavy. <laughs> he hates me, y'all. <laughs> Glad you know. Whew, okay. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, he choked you up. So, how has being with him, how do I put this? How has being with him hindered your growth inside of relationships? Because... All of that is a lot. It's a lot. It Just was one thing. It's a lot. Yeah, and it's even harder because he knew. He knew that um, I've been through other domestically violent relationships. Mm -hmm. 
I've been through physical abuse before him, mental, emotional, even financial. Yeah. Um, so for that to happen, I was just like, firstly, for you to disregard everything that I've already been through. You chased me for six years from college before I gave you your first date. And then this happens. It made love so difficult for me. And it's still difficult. Like I am afraid to love somebody and really give them my heart because I don't know if they're going to take advantage of that again. So I got to ask this. Okay. How long have you and, can I say his name? Yeah. Chris been together? Um, officially, a year and a half. We've been rocking with each other for three years. And I'm assuming the three years is more so your part of it being three years, y'all rocking with each other versus being together? What do you mean? So, like, there's no way I'm going to be rocking with somebody for three years and not make a move. <laughs> like, we're going to be together. We this close. There's feelings. Mm-hmm. There's possibly other things going on. Mm-hmm. So was it like, was Chris asking you within those three years, like, yo, be my girl? Or is more so like, we're just going to kick it, and when we feel like the time is right, we'll make it official? So when we met, I was pregnant. This is right. <laughs> Y'all got to catch her first episode. So I'm getting with m- both of with us the both of them <laughs> to get more de- like the ins and outs. I remember that from. So I'm glad we're having this episode with just you just and us. I. Yeah. So I'm getting to know more because mm-hmm. stuff is coming back. Yeah. I remember y- y'all met. Yeah. So he, we met. Yeah, go ahead. I was pregnant um, and he knew he personally knew the biological father before I even knew him. Yes. So we were in network marketing. All of us were in network marketing together mm-hmm. and all of us were on the same team essentially um Are y'all in the uh we should you should be here mm-hmm. <laughs> we were we okay. were okay go ahead <laughs> and we enjoyed life um uh, before it went to <laughs> to the pits but um <laughs> we we definitely so i was so my daughter's biological father was my direct upline quote unquote um, and then Chris was on a different, totally different leg, but we were all under the same one person. Um, and so I found out I was pregnant, told the father, and the first thing he said to me was, I should have known better. And then he said, good luck. And I haven't heard from him since. So I got two questions. Mm-hmm. We're going to re- rewind real quick. Mm-hmm. You said Chris knew the father before you knew the father. Mm-hmm. How is that possible? Oh, so like Chris, he, he knew him, like yeah. knew of him before. Before he, they had a, now I'm not going to say they were close buddy buddy. Yeah, they just knew but each But they other. knew each other. Like Got if you. they and were in before passing. y'all like fooled around. Mm-hmm. Got, okay. Yeah. So okay. Chris was in the, on the team before I even joined I had joined to clear it, it up because I didn't yeah. want to thinking like, oh, she's just out here. Out here in right, the street. Right. <laughs> in my head, I'm, oh, she for the I'm streets. like, oh, okay. We need to <laughs> no. clear this up. Yes, we need to clear it up. So he, I didn't know who Chris was or anything before I got pregnant. I never met him. I never seen him. Any of that stuff. So don't even start. Um, but that and then probably two or three months later is when I met Chris. When I, after I found out I was pregnant. 
I found out I was pregnant, and then I get a text from a mutual mentor of Chris and mine saying, yo, we're having a meeting and everything. Why don't you come on down to Baltimore and meet my crew? Definitely from up north. We'll continue. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, all right, cool, bet. Like, we're going to rock out. So I drove down to him, and he i went walked in and he was the first thing i saw was chris like i saw like everybody else i already kind of knew i never seen chris and it was like everything kind of you know those movies where it's like ah like that's yeah it was love at first sight or something that's how i felt yeah what does that feel like i've never experienced love at first sight um i just it was just like a like a click like, I was like, oh, my God, he's fine type of thing. And then I saw him, and then we started talking, and we were inseparable for the rest of the day. Like, we literally, like, we were fine. We would make sure we were sitting next to each other. All of us went out to eat after the meeting, and we made sure that we were next to each other and everything. Um, we, after we ate, we all decided we wanted to go to the movies. So, look, we went to the movies together. And then he tried to get me to come back home with him I was like (laughs) we just met today right (laughs) like nah we're not gonna do that um then two weeks later he went to Philly for Made in America with all the people that we were just with and so I met met up with all of them and we were standing in line for cheesesteaks of course I had to take them to get I had a bad cheesesteak where'd you go don't tell me it was Pastor Gino's it's across the street from this big church it has like a blue sign. It might have been Geno's. Did it's, it have like bright lights and stuff? I think so. Yeah, so it was out of Pastor Geno's, and that's the most touristy thing that you could do. I asked people, and they're like, oh, go to Geno's. And no. I was like, yeah, no. I, 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 I was like, should be told the vegetables made it taste good. Mm-mm. Yeah, and they don't put a lot of steak on there in the first place. You gotta go, you gotta go to Jim's. I heard. Yeah, that's what uh, on South Street. Kelly told me that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I go to gyms on South Street, or if you like, if gyms because they line be literally like out the door, wrapped around down the street and oh, everything no. else. Right. So if the line is like that, I'll tell people back up is Ishkabibbles. Who? <laughs> it's called Ishkabibbles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. they have Ishkabibbles one, and then they have Ishkabibbles two, literally, and they're like two blocks from each other. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so we were in line for the cheesesteaks, and that's when I told him I was pregnant. How did he take that? He was like, who's the father? And I was like, mm, I really don't want to. And he was like, if I guess it, will you, would you tell me? And I said, yeah, I'll tell you if you guess it right. He guessed it right on the first guess. How did he know? He was just like, he seems like your type. I was like. That's funny because I've never dated nobody like him before. Hmm. So he was like, so what are you going to do about it? And I was just like, I'm going to keep the baby. I've been through miscarriage after miscarriage while I was married. I had eight miscarriages. I lost my firstborn when she was two. I'm not going to abort my child. Like, I've been through enough loss. And he was just like, well, you know, he kind of, he tells me now he was trying to sway me the other way because it would have made 
things easier for him. Yeah, it would have made things easier for him, Mm -hmm. but he wasn't going to directly be like, well, you need to get an abortion because I like you. Mm. So. So hearing that now Mm -hmm. versus hearing what you heard during this conversation, how did you process that to him telling you that? Like, yo, like I was really trying to persuade you to get an abortion, but I didn't want to tell you to get an abortion. Like, how does that, like, what's going through your mind then? So when he told me, when he, he was just, so I'm not going to say he is the worst person because, you know, he's not going to be selfish and be like, but you know, when you, when you like somebody, you want, you want things to go in your favor. Um, And I just, I understood. I understood, you know, it's a, now I understand. Let me say it that way. I understand now versus back then Mm -hmm. because it's like, okay, you like this girl, she's pregnant by somebody that you personally know and everything else, like, what's up? Like, how am I gonna handle this? And then he's not there, so I'm not just gonna jet on her and be, which I wouldn't have blamed him because we had just met two weeks before. You have no reason to stick around. So when he did that, I was just like, okay, well, I really like him now because he's still around, even though I told him I was pregnant. And throughout the pregnancy, he dealt with everything. He dealt with the the cravings. He dealt with the mood swings. He dealt with all that comes with being pregnant. He dealt with the postpartum depressions, argument after argument, all that stuff. And we weren't even together yet. And then he came to the hospital the day my daughter was born. He came to the hospital with my favorite food in hand and sat there for however many hours just talking, looking at the baby, but he refused to hold her. He did not want to hold her. And even after she was born and I would come over with the baby, the moment she started doing the crazy crying, he'd be like, all right, y'all got to go. So how was that because when I've been dating like single moms they're like Mm -hmm. yo like we're a package deal we come together Mm -hmm. and it seemed as if he didn't fully he didn't want the entire package he was fighting it Hmm. so and I'm not going to get into his entire story because it's not my story to tell for sure but I'll get him in two weeks I told him that. I was like, just just get him in a couple of weeks. Oh, but Dora, I'm about to have mad people here in a couple of weeks. As you should. Oh, as yeah. you should. Um, but I told so he has gone through his own his own thing with um being adopted. So that and he has so for him it was very serious. Mm-hmm. And I personally I didn't approach it that way that yeah. most single moms say we're a package deal, this, that, next thing. Obviously, she's coming with me. That's right. that's my thought process is obviously this is a non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. But for me, I was more of there's more to me than her. Like, yes, I have a daughter. We all know this. But there's still I'm still me as an individual. Absolutely. And that's what I was trying to get him to understand while he, on the other hand, was trying to get me to understand if I take you on as a girlfriend, I am responsible. Like he, he's the type of person of, I'm not just gonna only be in your life. I'm gonna be in your life and hers. 
Like, if I'm going to be in your life, I am now responsible for her. Period. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. And so when that happened, I was like, and we argued about it on a regular basis. I was just like, I don't understand. And da, 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 da. I can't see why you. And he's just like, yo, like, that's a responsibility. I'm the first single mom he's ever dated. And so he, he's like, that's a responsibility. I don't know if I'm ready to take on. I don't know. He's like, there's a reason why I have intentionally never dated a single mother. Because I don't know if I'm ready to be a, a stepfather or a father, period. Um, and then he took his mom and his aunt, they're twins, he took them out to dinner, to breakfast one day. And they told him, they were like, you're going to lose her. She's the best thing you're ever going to get. Dang. Yeah. And then from there, people just started. And I told him, I was like, you getting all the signs. <laughs> you're taking forever. It's been two years. I'm losing. Like, after, after a certain point, I'm just over it. Yeah. And I'm just like, yo, like, I don't understand. What more do you need from me to see who I am mm -hmm. and that I'm here. And we went to a friend's wedding um, and then we came back and I cooked dinner after the wedding. And then finally that evening, he asked me to be his girlfriend. And I was just like, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I was so like in shock. <laughs> like he asked, he asked me in a yeah. slick way. And I was just like, it, the first time he asked, it flew over my head that he had asked me. Uh, yep, yep. And then the second time he said it, I was just like, for real? Like, me? <laughs> like, oh my gosh. So, <laughs> this is so beautiful. I can't stand you. But it definitely, and even now, like, sometimes it, we still have those battles. So have a with, question. With being parents. Is he dad? She, yeah, he's daddy. Is he on a birth certificate? No, he's not on the birth certificate yet. Okay. That we'll wait for that. But he that's the only man that has been in her life since the day she's been born. Mm. She they had since she's been since she was a little baby, they've had an undeniable connection. So like I called her earlier and she could care less that I was on the phone. But if she, if daddy's on the phone, she's all up in the camera and everything else, and you can't separate the two of them, and I want to go to daddy's house and everything else, that, that's daddy. You can never tell her anything else, and you can't tell him. That's, that's his little princess. Mm. So That's dope. Yeah. It takes a man to raise another child, man's child. Oh, for sure. Mm. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So last question. Mm -hmm. Dealing with molestation. Mm. How give me what you want to, mm -hmm. but like you know, what what happened? How'd you bounce back? Does it still does it affect your sexual relationship? You mm -hmm. know, like what go. Yeah. <laughs> go. I mean uh, I need to go. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> go. <It's seen>. um, <laughs> Um, so I was molested by a family member, um, and when I was very young, I was probably, 
probably from when I was about 8 to 11 years old. Um, and she, like, I didn't really know better. And then that's, that's the age where you're kind of starting sex ed and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And but you said she or he? She. Okay. Um, and so she would just, you know, do different things, touching and stuff. Um, she got caught once by my grandmom and but still continued um and now i go through these spells like i've been like my firstborn she was a product of rape Mm -hmm. um and so i go through these spells i'm very sexually and my my drive is crazy Mm -hmm. and then i have these droughts where i'm just like i don't want to be touched and it's just I don't know how to balance it out because it's like a hole that I'm trying to dig myself out of. Cause it's like, you know, you don't want your partner to feel like you don't want them or that you're not attracted to them or that you don't love them or whatever the case may be. And then on the other hand, you're like, but I'm still fighting this, this demon pretty much. Mm -hmm. Um, And so sometimes I just kind of tough it out and I'm like, look, just suck it up, get it together. And then other times I'm like, okay, I talk to my therapist about it. Other times I pray um, as much as, you know, both of my parents are pastors. So they're, they would, if they saw this, they'd be like, Lord, she's still having sex. <laughs> they'd probably be <laughs> cringing, but. <laughs> Mom and dad, she grown. <laughs> I love y'all. <laughs> but um, yeah, like it's, it's a, it's, I can't even say it's a balance because I don't think in life there really is a true thing, thing such as balance. There's no such thing as balance in life. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of juggle it and that's something that I'm doing. I'm going through with my therapist right now is how do I get over those, those, those feelings in those, those roller coaster moods. Mm-hmm. Um, cause now I'm kind of in that phase of, I don't really want to cuddle. I don't really like when we were, when we weren't even together, I wanted you all over me. Like I need to be cuddled. I need to be kissed mm-hmm. and this, that, and the next thing. And then as we got into the relationship, I was like, okay, I don't really want to be touched right now. I don't really want to cuddle or anything of that nature. Um, and then now, and then it, it just kind of goes up and down. There's mm-hmm. days where I'm like, get over here. And then there's days where I'm just like, stiff arm. Mm. So, yeah. So now that you're processing this and you're in therapy, uh, I want you to close us out mm-hmm. with a word to a woman or okay. a word to your younger self or your, a word to your wounded self that the things that you would say to them or your younger self now that you've grown and become the Nella that we see today. Mm. Mercy. But think about it. I'm going to do a commercial real quick. Okay. And then you can get some time to think about it. Sounds good. This episode is sponsored by the Emboldened Institute. It is my community, my organization, where we help individuals who have gone through traumatic situations and they are trying to learn to become more vulnerable. They're trying to learn how to escape, you know, the tries and the trials and the woes of life. 
text me 404-476-6780. That's 404-476-6780. You can text me the word HEAL. We send out words every day, 10 o'clock a.m. Or text the word AFFIRMATION if you need some daily affirmation to kind of affirm yourself. Because I know for me, my love language is words of affirmation. And I need the words to affirm me. So every day I read those messages that I send out. I read them to myself. So text me the word HEAL or, uh, or AFFIRMATION to 404-476-6780. You can also go to identifyandheal.com. Sign up for my email list. Um, I have free webinars that you can sign up for. I have live webinars. We can do live Q&A. Um, there's just so much going on. Just sign up for the email list or the text list, and we will send out all the information that you need. There we go. Um, I would tell myself two different things. The first would be learn how to love yourself first. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing would be trust people to show you who they are and then trust yourself to recognize them. I love that second one. Trust people to show you who they are. To show you who they are. And then trust yourself to recognize them. That's dope. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Nella. You're welcome. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate you. No I problem. appreciate you. I didn't realize there was so much more to you after the first episode. Yeah. Your episode was number, what was it? I'm going to look at it beforehand. I'll drop it somewhere below. I'll put it in the description to check out the first one to kind of so things that make sense. Yes. So if you watch episode one, if you didn't watch the first episode, you can kind of like get the back, get the back end of things. And because I had her and Chris on together mm -hmm. and now I'm going to get Chris on. And then it'll all fall. It'll all like fall together. That's going to be so dope. Yeah. That's another episode, y'all. We're out. Peace. See ya.